Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, at the table today, I am joined by one person, and that is Scott. Ta-da! Yeah, you know what I mean? And uh, that's, yeah, I, I wish I could, I would I would do something here with these things, but I don't know. See, the music is still playing in the background, in the background <laughs> and everything. Let's see what this button does. That's what oh. it sounds like in here. That's what it sounds like. Just Nobody's me and you. here. Just me and you. And so here we are to do the next series or the next thing in our series of walking through the state of theology survey. And we want to ask this question today. Does God accept the worship of all religions, not just Christianity? Does God accept the worship of all religions? And the reason why we do this is we've been going through the state of theology research that was done by Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research. Um, They had this statement. Do you agree or disagree? God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And according to this uh, survey says, U.S. evangelicals, and notice, by the way, not adults. According to this, U.S. evangelicals, 56% agree with this, that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, so, Scott, you did a little bit of further research of of uh, of what the number, crunching the numbers a little bit. Yeah. And you said you, you even tried to go even to a stricter. Yeah. You want to explain that yeah, a little if bit? You, if you constrict the categories even more, to where not just um, everyone from any denomination that would claim evangelical beliefs, but if you limit it even more to those who are part of an evangelical denomination, it's still at 39%, so over a third. So it goes from over half to over a third, which is still like, I mean, it goes against the basic definition of what it means to be an evangelical. Right. Yeah. Right. So... I guess this raises the question, why do you think that is? Um, what is it? Um, I guess, first of all, are you surprised by that, maybe? Um, that 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 number is that high? Um, or are you not surprised? Or, like, what does that number think, stand out for you? I mean, personally, yes, I am surprised. Um, I think I, I probably tend to be a more optimistic person. But that that's very surprising to me to say that God accepts the worship of all religions. Now, I could understand confusion that people might have from, um, like, when it comes to Christianity, Judaism, and, and even Islam, because all of those religions, so to speak, come from a common root. And so if people are confused about that, um, but Christianity is so different from Islam. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different God. And so I don't know if this just shows ignorance people have about what Islam believes, what his Hinduism teaches, what Buddhism is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it says all religions. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I just that just blows my mind. What's the difference between them? Mm. I mean, is there none? Does a third of evangelicals not believe there's a difference in the God that we believe and the God that we worship? I find it very surprising. Isn't there that um, oh, uh, that 
parable that but not parable but illustration metaphor that some people will use about the elephant scott have you ever heard that elephant the, yeah is it like everybody's blind and yeah. they're and, all it's a pe- different people that they the question is what does an elephant look like mm-hmm. and one person who's blind feels the elephant's leg and the elephant is oh they say all oh, elephants like a tree hmm Another person feels the elephant's trunk and says, no, an elephant is like a snake. Mm. Another person feels their the ear and says, no, the elephant is, is big and flat like a mm. leaf, mm. you know, um, and things like that. Or they feel it and it's rough, like an elephant's like a rock. Mm. Uh, so all these different explanations and what that is used by, uh, by people to demonstrate is it's all the same elephant. People just experience it differently. Right. It's the same thing as like, there's different paths up to the mountaintop, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's going their own path, but they're all going to the same place. Right. Um, that's how a lot of people try to explain mm-hmm. what that is. But um, the, uh, I, oh, man, I'm going to butcher this, but the response that's really witty that I've heard back to that is that uh, all those blind people, yeah, they don't know what the elephant looks like, but you're not blind. Right. There is someone who's telling that story that actually knows what an elephant looks right. like. Yeah. You're exactly. not denying that there actually is an objective reality to an elephant. Mm. And so you're you're telling the story from the perspective of the person that actually does know. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're all wrong mm-hmm. if that's their complete definition of an Correct. elephant. So it, even that doesn't stand up. Correct. Yeah, because the idea is that all religions have some truth yeah. and different truths and about... Uh, about who God is and um, and such like that, and of course this this goes against um, uh, Scripture, where Jesus Himself uh, says in uh, John fourteen verse six, "I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me." So Jesus is making an exclusive claim that if anybody wants to get to God and and be accepted by God. You have to go through him. You have to go through him as the only way, as the only truth, as the only life. No one, he says, comes to the Father. So, no. So, for instance, um, we and and this is where um, we let's, in a sense, let's let's uh, put. Um, there, there's God accepts the worship of all religions and there we have we have God but let's let's just talk about the person of Jesus because really what we have even if we're just looking at Christianity Judaism and Islam we have three different understandings of who Jesus of Nazareth is um, first of all let, let's talk maybe Islam Islam views Jesus as a prophet mm-hmm. um, so they're they're actually pro Jesus in a sense, but they don't believe that he um, is of the same substance in divinity with God the Father. Mm-hmm. That would be anathema to them. Yeah. So Jesus is a prophet, but he is not divine. Um, uh, and, and so that is Islam's understanding. A, a good guy, but not the son of God. Judaism uh, you know, and I would assume we probably have to talk to individual Jews yeah. to understand. But the common co- the common agreement throughout would be, he is not the Son of God. Mm-hmm. He is not divine. He doesn't have a divine nature. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have been a a teacher. He may have been, and I'm I'm sure probably 
Um, and this is the difficult thing. If you talk to modern day Jews, probably some people are going to have more positive views of Jesus and maybe some would have more negative uh, views of this, of this guy. But the one thing they would all agree is he's not the son of God. Mm-hmm. He's not divine. Yeah. That's the difference with Christianity is when uh, Jesus claims to be divine, he says, I and the father are one. Yeah. Um, that, that claim to divinity we accept as as him being the only mediator between God and man and being true God and true man. So our understanding of Jesus is different. And according to Jesus, if we don't understand who he is and if we don't go through him, we don't get to God. Yeah. Correct? So at the core of all of these differences is a under, different understanding of who Jesus of Nazareth yeah. is. We even have examples in scripture of what happens when Paul, for for example, on his missionary journeys comes into contact with people who worship different gods. Mm-hmm. Does he tell them that's okay? Does he tell them it's fine? Mm-hmm. Does he tell them don't, don't worry about it? Right. God just wants you worshiping something, right? right? As long as you believe in that higher power. Um, Acts 17 is a, a passage that I've been thinking of lately. And this is Paul addressing the Areopagus, speaking to Greeks um, pagans, when he says, uh, let me, oh, I lost my place. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Ah, that's not the right place. Ah, here he is. Sorry, verse 19. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. What's he doing there? He's correcting them, saying the way you're thinking about Mm -hmm. God is not right. It's wrong. And he goes on, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Mm because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So there have been times of ignorance. God has overlooked that. But now he's calling all men everywhere to repent. That was Paul's response to encountering a city that worshiped all kinds of different gods, Mm -hmm. except the one true God. Correct. And so we can't look at that question and say, does God accept the worship of all religions and say yes and be in agreement with what Paul is doing there? Right. You can't. Because what Paul is saying is God commands all men everywhere to repent, mm-hmm. to worship the one true God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he, he accepts us, yeah, to come back uh, to him through the one mediator. Paul will use that language right in, uh, is it 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy or Titus, where he says there's one mediator between God and man, yeah. the man Christ Jesus. So there's only one way, only one uh, one way to, to God. Um, and also when it comes to Judaism, Paul himself would say in uh, Romans chapter 10, he says about his Jewish brethren, he says, I wish that, uh, you know, he desires their salvation. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not in according with knowledge for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. So Jews 
he regards as refusing to subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And that's very important for people to understand that ultimately for Paul in the New Testament, modern day Judaism is not the same religion as the religion of the Old Testament. It was, it was to reject Christ is to cease to be a true Jew in in the spiritual sense of the word. Now, you still may be ethnically and racially and biologically descended from Abraham, and we desire and with Paul, we desire their salvation, that they would come to know Christ. But the true religion of the Old Testament and the true religion of the New Testament was always in and through uh, in the Old Testament, the promised seed of the woman who we believe has appeared in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, so that's also important to, to realize that, um, that even modern day Judaism is a different religion than the religion, um, that, uh, old Testament saints practiced. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a different religion. They don't have the same God anymore that we do. They, Paul even says they seek to establish their own righteousness. Now they've rejected the true God and our prayer for them. And our hope for them is that they will come and trust in, in the, in Christ and through Christ come back to the God of their fathers. Yeah. Another passage I thought of was Romans chapter 1, and it says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So this is the wrath, the judgment of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. That's talking about their worship. Mm -hmm. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. It says that the wrath of God mm. is revealed because of those things, mm -hmm. because of false worship, because of attributing things to be God that are not God. Mm. And so there's that's what makes this question so ridiculous, is I don't know where you would go in the Bible to defend this. Mm -hmm. um, well, even in the Old Testament, right? Um, now, the difference is, is this question is assuming there's one God and he's got many ways. But in the Old Testament, the, um, the temptation of Israel was not to think they were going to worship the one God through different religions. It was, we can worship the one true God, but he's also okay if we worship other gods as well alongside yeah. of him. And consistently we see the Lord say, right, my glory I will not give to another. Mm -hmm. um, he... he focuses our attention upon himself as the sole object of our adoration and of our trust and of our hope. And according to Romans 1, in creation, he has sufficiently revealed himself. The problem isn't with him or his revelation. It's with us that we know it and we reject the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and all men have done that. Probably, and I would assume this is where uh, intertwined with this if this, you know, again, we'd have to talk to individual people to see what they believed as far as agreeing with this. Um, but I would assume part of the thing, one of the things as well that is tied up with this is a low view of sin, where people, they don't think Romans 1, where we are actually culpable yeah. for rejecting, like the, the, 
the uh, you know the 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 thing that's always put is there's some tribe person out in the middle of nowhere yeah. who's never heard of Jesus. Yeah, he's they not, don't know any better, right? He doesn't know any better. How can he be held responsible? Yeah. And according to Paul, well, they have enough truth to reject the Creator, and they're doing that knowingly. Um, and so I think also behind this, except, well, of course, God has to accept the worship of all religions because they don't know any better. They're doing their best as if that is uh, what the Bible Bible teaches about how we're saved and, and such like that. Um, so how would this also shape our understanding of what the mission of the church is? If you, if you believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, how does that change the way you view not simply your personal faith, which we've kind of talked about, obviously the Bible's uh, focus is upon the fact that Christ is the only way. Um, how does that change the mission of the church and what our job is as a church if you accept this perspective versus the exclusive understanding of Christ? Well, I mean, I think it, first of all, takes away the mission of the church um, as it's defined in Scripture. If we think of the mission of the church as the Great Commission to go and to make disciples of all nations, well, then, if we're going to think that that tribe's person, wherever they are in the world, is innocent because they've not heard of Jesus mm-hmm. and God is going to allow them into heaven and forgive them for that, then our goal should be to make sure they don't hear about Jesus right. because then they'll end up in the, the, the best place possible anyways. Yeah. So it takes away any motivation for missions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So there's a void. So the question is, what fills the void? Mm-hmm. And the void is then filled because Christians naturally want to do good. Um, the void then becomes uh, political mm. campaigning, uh, social involvement, mm. making the best possible. If, if God is going to accept anybody ev- anyways, mm. and nobody's going to go to hell because they've not repented of their sin and trusted in Christ, then the only good thing left for you to do is to try to improve their life mm. as much as possible here on earth. Mm. That becomes the mission. There's nothing else to do. Right, yeah, and it's a, it is a form of the social gospel mm-hmm. then that happens, you're right, because we don't have to worry about getting to heaven in the future. We'll try to bring heaven here. Yeah. And, uh, and to make that, and the, the ironic thing about that is that usually... <laughs> When men try to create utopias here, they often create a, a, a hell on earth in many ways. As you can see, utopian visions of the world often don't end well, um, whether that be communism or whatever kind of, those are political and economic understandings of things, but um, it totally changes the understanding of what the church is to be all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't see Paul doing that, do we? We see Paul um, having this zeal to go proclaim Christ because, well, I mean, we're, we're proclaiming it to them because we're calling them to flee from the wrath to come. Yeah. I mean, what's the whole reason? I mean, back in what I read in Acts 17, he calls yeah. all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because there's a day of judgment right, coming. Right, right. And the one judging them, guess who it is? It's Christ. It's right. Jesus. Yes. It's the man that God has appointed mm. uh, to do that. Um and so, yeah, that's the whole motivation, is that there is wrath to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you don't believe that there's wrath to come, there's no reason to be on mission. So there's no judgment, um, and then there's no wrath. And so, uh, yeah, the solution then is simply social instead of um, redemptive um, to, to bring men and their souls to heaven. Okay, well, um, I mean, we're at 20 minutes, but I think we've talked about the question quite a bit. Um do you have anything else you'd like to add to that? I would just point out there are 
churches and denominations that have fully bought into like what we're talking about, that there is no wrath to come, and the only thing left for the church to do is social involvement and help, those are the churches that are dying the most. They just after right. you take away all purpose for their existence, because they're secular things that are doing the same thing as those churches. And the church just bogs it down and makes it hard and difficult and frustrating for people. Correct. And so those are the churches that are dying the fastest because they've lost all sense of purpose of, mm. of why they're there and what they're doing. Um, That's the ironic thing. And oftentimes people will do these things um, in an effort to save Christianity. Mm-hmm. They're trying to actually, by, by, by embracing um, maybe the social gospel of forms or, or like, you know, this kind of thing, they're trying to save Christianity by getting rid of all of the, what they understand to be the, the negative bad parts of Christianity, the savage parts. But in doing so, it ceases to be Christianity and it's just simply whatever you wanted to believe in the first place. Yeah. It just looks like the world. And, uh, well, the world's a lot better at being the world than the churches. So, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this, guys. I hope it's been helpful. Um, next time, hopefully, we'll have the full cast um, together. But um, you can always trust me and Scott uh, to be here, to be here for you. Um, we are your, we are your trusted, trusted pastoral host. I want to know, would you have done it if it was just you? I do podcast recording by myself a lot. <laughs> I sit here in this room a lot, just but alone. would you have done this podcast? Would you have uh, asked the question and then answered your own question? Now, Spencer, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be funny if I could find a way to edit my voice through here. You know, like raise it up, pitch it like high. Like a chipmunk? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll have to work on that and see what I can do. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Take care. <laughs>